Bonjour les amis et bienvenue, welcome to the next episode of the Paris Lessons. Merci d'être là. Today has been a very special day for me because I hosted the first of many Dream in French classes here à Paris. In Paris, it was a one-hour guided meditation, both in French and in English. I was able to meet students of mine that I hadn't yet met in person, which is always so special to me, and I was able to discreetly witness these wonderful women connect with each other and and start to form the seeds of friendship here in Paris. So it's one of the wonderful bonuses of doing the live classes, which I've missed. So if you're one of the people who came and you're listening, thank you, thank you, thank you. Merci, merci, merci. And this week's topic for the Paris lessons is actually quite connected to the guided meditation that we did today at Dream in French. I read to the women who were in class today a quote from Aristote, Aristotle, And it's about the soul. So one of the things that I am researching right now at the Sorbonne is the relationship between the soul and consciousness. So this has led me to read a lot of Aristotle, particularly his book called De L'Âme. Aristotle was a 4th century BC Greek philosopher. We call him Aristote en français, Aristotle in English, en anglais as well as many of the writings uh, by William James on consciousness. So it's interesting because William James was a psychologue, psychologist, philosophe, philosopher. And this particular book from by Aristotle, Dulem, his treatise on the soul, has been referred to as you know, one of the first works of psychology. So this is the quote. It's just it's actually a tiny excerpt from a much larger quote. But I brought it up in class today because the meditation did have to do with our souls. And I thought it was very poignant to bring up that even in the 4th century BC, people were writing about the importance of knowing, studying the soul. So this is one of the excerpts from how he starts off de l'âme. Il est raisonnable de placer l'étude de l'âme au premier It is reasonable to place the study of the soul at the forefront. And the context of this quote is he's talking about, you know, the study of many different things, many different sciences. And for Aristotle, l'étude de l'âme, the study of the soul, was very reasonably placed if it was placed at the forefront. Thank you to those of you who wrote me saying that you loved the audio that I gifted you with from French Wellbeing last week. I, it really warms my heart to picture people out there all over the world using the meditations, infusing more French into their life through a subject that's designed to just help them really live more fully as themselves. So thank you again for your feedback. There is a section on the soul in that course. And so I wanted to read that section to you today and also provide some comments and then I'll get into this week's questions. There were some wonderful ones. Lam. So lam means 
the soul en français, in French, and the meditation, the meditation that comes with this part of the French well-being course goes like this. Mon âme me guide. Mon âme me guide. Which means my soul is guiding me or my soul guides me. There's some wonderful quotes in this section of the course I'll just read them while we're here together. Les vrais amis, ce n'est pas la peine de s'exterminer le tempérament pour leur plaire. It's not worth exterminating your temperament to please true friends. That's from our beloved Colette. This is included in this section because a lot of what this section is talking about um, when it addresses the soul is really designed to support you in communicating more authentically as yourself, which I believe communicating in a way where your mind and your soul have less distance between them. The next quote, Se connaître soi-même sert à régler sa vie. Knowing oneself serves to regulate one's life. That's from one of my favorite French philosophes, Blaise Pascal. And he lived, as many of them did, <laughs> at one time very close to the Sorbonne. Actually, when my philosophy adventure began, that was one of, the, one of my first steps towards philosophy in France, was there was a wonderful um, tour organized to the public where a professor at, uh, it wasn't at the Sorbonne, it was at one of the neighboring schools, I think it was, yeah, it was l'Institut Catholique, took us on a philosophy tour. We walked by all of the local philosophers' former homes, and we uh, walked in front of the home where Blaise Pascal uh, wrote his celebrated and very well-known Pensée, which is a, a wonderful, wonderful collection of fragments, really, um, if you're someone who's interested in philosophy and who's interested in a language that's really accessible, both in French and I imagine in English too. I haven't read it in English. And when I say accessible, I don't mean to say that he wasn't an intelligent writer. He's a beautiful writer, much the way that William James was a beautiful writer. Um, sometimes <laughs> one of the issues with philosophy is that sometimes the best philosophers are not the great writers. And they're explaining these very intangible concepts that can be often complex and they're not also a great writer it adds a, another level of challenge to the project at hand uh, the last quote qu'est-ce que l'idéal c'est l'épanouissement de l'âme humaine qu'est-ce que l'âme humaine c'est la plus haute fleur de la nature i love this one what is the ideal it is the fulfillment of the human soul. What is the human soul? It is the highest flower of nature. How beautiful is that? And that's Jean Jaurès. Okay. So now I'm going to read those of you who already own French Wellbeing. I hope that you love this as sort of a, a bonus audio, if you will, to go with your course. I'm on page 36, page 36. Your soul is the starting place. Le bien-être, wellness, is not possible if you do not know how to communicate what you want or what you need. But you must know what you want or need. And it is not possible to maintain your well-being 
if you do not know how to communicate with toi-même, yourself, or with others, les autres, in a relaxed state from a calm place of security. The importance of being soi-même, oneself, is something that is addressed often in self-help literature today. French women seem to come naturally to this state of being. Their self-confidence, their ability to calmly be who they are is what American women, among others, find so fascinating about them. We often mistake their je ne sais quoi for their red lipstick or their undone hair. After years of living alongside French women, I can tell you with much confidence that it is their calm energy, their clarity of expression, and their connection to themselves that we find so attractive as Anglophone women. French well-being includes all of the elements that we have discussed so far, inviting time into one's life as a supportive element, listening to one's body, seeking relaxation as much as possible, and embracing our mind's powerful ability to reason. It also includes knowing oneself. To paraphrase the above quote from the French philosopher Blaise Pascal, knowing yourself allows you to regulate your life. I'll take this idea further, adding that being yourself in the world and communicating as your true self in the world is what allows you to live each day with more balance, to make decisions with more ease, and to have less drama in your personal life. In short, to know who you are and to live as that person in the world is what will give you the deepest and most sustainable level of well-being. From there, taking care of your body and loving your mind come naturally. What I find the most interesting about this topic is that being oneself often comes from a place of défi, defiance, in American culture. Whereas in French culture, it comes from a much more natural, less, aggress less aggressive, or defensive place. As I explained further in my French confidence course, the idea of living unapologetically and there I've put living unapologetically in quotes, simply does not translate into French. It sounds aggressive and has no meaning. What is there to apologize for about being oneself, a French person would ask. Simone de Beauvoir touches on the presence of defiance in American feminism during her time in Le Deuxième Sex. Le défi can also mean challenge in French, and this is its most common meaning, illustrating what a small place the idea of defiance occupies in French culture. The very same pragmatic assertiveness with which Anglo-Saxon women fearlessly chase their dreams, at least in the eyes of French women, also finds its applied, also finds, sorry, itself applied to the notion of being oneself in Anglophone culture. Let me read that again because I had a, another thought as I was reading that and I almost took a break and added a comment, but I'm doing comments at the end. The very same pragmatic assertiveness with which Anglo-Saxon women fearlessly chase their dreams, at least in the eyes of French women, also finds itself applied to the notion of being oneself in Anglophone culture. The problem is that le défi, by its very nature, has an energy that is anything but relaxing, 
an unapologetic notion of being oneself is contrary to the idea of le bien-être, wellness. You can drink all of the green smoothies or do all of the meditating that you wish, but I think that we can all agree that if you are out in the world proving yourself instead of simply being yourself or living who you are, as I prefer to say, the inner peace and outward calm the balance and strength that you are seeking will always be fleeting. It is easy to overlook the physical discomfort that not speaking one's truth creates in one's body. The simple act of agreeing to meet someone for a drink after work when, in reality, you are exhausted or perhaps simply would rather have some time alone with yourself at home will create a tension in your body that will then trigger a dialogue in your mind that is, to say the least, not relaxing. Thoughts of regret, thoughts of guilt or resentment or questions, too many questions, will often flood our minds after speaking or acting a contre-coeur, against the heart. I'll say that again because it's so beautiful and I want you all to remember this. I want you to remember the French, but I want you to know, I want you to remember that this is a thing in French culture. Acting against one's heart is such a is such a known thing that it's been given its own phrase, a contre-coeur, against the heart. We do this all the time and we overlook it. We do this all the time. One of my favorite expressions, as it is straight to the point of what is taking place in our soul, a contre-coeur figuratively means reluctantly or grudgingly. It is an expression that you rarely hear in France because French people require an incredibly good reason to do something à contre-coeur. True story. I didn't learn that until 2014. And it was my friend Xavier, and here he comes. He appears very much in these L'Art de Vivre courses that I create for many wonderful reasons. A verb that describes a similar act is se forcer, to force oneself. If you have been a part of French is Beautiful for a while, then you have certainly heard me share my best friend Xavier's advice many times already. Il ne faut pas se forcer. One mustn't force oneself. When you find yourself forcing yourself in life, this means that you are acting against your heart. This means that you are not listening to your soul. This means that you are not being yourself. You are being someone else. Empathy, or l'empathie, is a wonderful quality that can lead us wonderfully against our own hearts. But with the hearts of others, if we are not careful to listen to our souls, your âme, your soul, is the essence of who you are. It is where your personal truth lies and it communicates via sensations in the body and thoughts in our minds. If our body is tired, it is challenging to hear our soul's voice, ourself. If our mind is racing, it is impossible for us to hear the silence through which the soul speaks. We cannot know what we desire if we cannot hear ourselves, our soul. In order to know who we are, to know our soul, we must be in conversation with it as often as possible. 
Otherwise, all of the careful attention that we have paid to the role of time in our lives, to our body's energy, and to our mind's flow will have been for nothing. I know from lots of experience that acting a contre-coeur will unravel well-being in an instant. So, why do we choose to act a contre-coeur when even the idea of acting as our soul sounds so much more joyful and reassuring? Being ourselves, living who we are, aligned with our soul comes with a risk if you live in a culture where being liked is highly valued and direct communication is shied away from. You risk being judged or rejected. These are risks that come with very real fears, so much so that they have inspired an archetype of their own, the people pleaser. If this is you, please know that I feel your pain and that this lesson is going to show you an alternative to a life spent seeking approval or avoiding abandonment, and in a way that is so gentle that you will not feel any different in embracing it. You will, however, feel much more empowered and balanced thanks to it. What I should have added in that last phrase is you won't really feel, your essence won't feel any different in embracing it, but you, as your mind and your body acting in your daily life, will feel much more empowered and balanced thanks to it. So that's part of of that lesson. And then what follows is I, I get into more about uh, people-pleasing and how we, we don't find it so much in France and my reasons why. But let me comment on, on what some of what I just read for you. So just going back uh, from from the ideas that came to me as I was reading. First of all, if you're someone who meditates every day and, and, drink green, and drinks green smoothies, I adore you. We are cut from the same cloth. That was, not a, that was not a comment intended as a dig towards anyone who does that. I absolutely do that. My point is that that doesn't create soul connection. And without soul connection, it's very, very hard to find balance. Um, so now I'm back on page 36. Those of you who have it, you're welcome to just uh, follow along with me, but you absolutely don't need the text in front of you to, to, to benefit from the comments that I'm going to share here. So one of the things that's so interesting about this concept about being, you know, living unapologetically or being fearless, as you heard me talk about a few weeks ago, is this notion of defiance. And as I said, this was uh, Simone de Beauvoir, who, you know, le deuxième sex, the second sex, is a is a is a is a huge work, two volumes. There are a handful of instances where she refers to American women in it, and I use those instances because they fascinated me to um, as the basis for a paper that I wrote last year. Some of you listening I were probably at my talk that I gave at Albertine in New York. It was so lovely to meet you. That was such a wonderful day. I loved all your questions about my experience at the Sorbonne. Um, the most striking quote that I pulled from Le Deuxième Sex is about this... this, this um, this uh, spirit of defiance that Simone referenced in The Second Sex. Unfortunately, she doesn't reference specific examples. So one has to imagine what was happening in American feminism 
at that time. But I do think that this, I absolutely as an American woman related to this notion of defiance, uh, which is very real. I think this is where the unapologetic or the, the fearless notion comes from. Um, I think that sometimes in Anglophone culture, it's very easy to uh, feel like you are supposed to people please and the most important thing is being liked and avoiding judgment and and also that we do have to go after the things that we want with strength you know hence this fearlessness and this is something that we don't find in french culture and this is why it was so remarkable to simone i never would have called this defiance but it's inter- you know because I'm American. It's I'm too close. I'm too embedded in American culture to have had such an objective point of view on this, what she's calling defiance. But it's really interesting because, it, you know, I've thought about this a lot. And at first, I interpreted it as this defiance of this defiance towards others, right? This defiance towards the people that we feel like we have to please or this defiance towards the people we think might judge us for going after what we want. But really, the more that I contemplate this, the more I think that what makes this sort of defiance so painful, this sort of like living unapologetically and, you know, striving to be fearless, these these things that are uh, really filled with a lot of tension is that ironically, we're, we're, we're in, def- we're defying ourselves, we're in defiance of ourselves or really um, kind of acting out against our soul in a way. We're not, we're not trusting our soul. Our souls, so this is my take after what I've read and also just my own intuition. Our souls are very, very gentle. Uh, you know, when Aristotle writes about the soul, it's this, it's this elusive sort of essence. It's this thing that can't be captured, that begins all things. And, and that's why he's saying that it's reasonable that that it should be placed in the forefront of any study. There's this moment in what I read to you where I talk about the silence through which the soul communicates with us. And that's what a lot of our meditation in Dream in Paris was about today. I guided the women who attended through this experience um, that really got their body in a relaxed state and their mind hopefully in, in a relaxed state that matched the relaxation of their body through a visualization that, that really um, fostered this, this rich silence so that they could have a conversation with their soul. Um, you know, our souls are, I think that there's a lot of power in our soul that because it's so gentle, and because it only speaks in silence, it only speaks to us when when it knows that we're available and listening, I think it's really easy to mistrust our soul's power. And if you can imagine being living yourself, and notice I purposefully in this text didn't say living as yourself, uh, but really living yourself. You know, you're an living yourself, yourself. So first of all, it's yours. But second of all, you know, it's, it's not just an object, something that you're trying to get right, or something that you have an idea of in your head that you're trying to copy in the world. Living as best as you can 
living your self is living in such a way that your soul and your mind, as I said earlier, have a very tiny, teeny tiny distance between them. Now, as I said in this text that I just read to you, it's very easy for us to act a contre-coeur, right? Especially if we're empathetic people because we feel the hearts of others. We probably feel the souls of others. And our natural, uh, our natural reaction is to act in alignment with others' hearts because we feel others' hearts so greatly. And a lot of times that puts us in misalignment with our own heart, right? That's why we act a contre-coeur against our heart. And it's not a bad thing to be empathetic, and it's certainly not a bad thing to act in alignment with others' hearts. But what's very, what's very challenging for highly sensitive people is making this decision of acting in alignment with their hearts over acting in alignment with someone else's heart. So I wanted to share this lesson with you in the hopes that this concept of living yourself, of being in conversation with your soul so that you can go out and live your life in this big, wonderful world with all of these other souls in a way in which the distance between your mind, your esprit, as we say in French, I love the word for mind in French. Isn't it beautiful? Esprit. It can sometimes mean spirit, but it, it, in this, the way I'm using it, it means mind. Living in a way such that your, the distance between your mind and your soul is, is very, 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 very tiny. I hope that this, that this idea will inspire you to act in a way that's less against your heart and to help you make um, decisions that are more in alignment with your heart, knowing that this peace of having your mind and your soul, uh, you know, really being, um, you know, leaning on each other, if you will, knowing that, that that's your reward for making decisions that are in alignment with your heart. Let's get into this week's questions. I'm going to read a wonderful email that I received from a listener. Uh, She's also someone who recently completed my Being Yourself the French Way course. The French title that I've given to it is Etre Soi-même, just to be oneself or being oneself. And she gets into a very interesting question about our future selves, which is something that I talk about in that course. But again, you don't have to have the course to, to benefit from from this dialogue that I'm going to have now. I've so enjoyed listening to today's Paris lesson. As always, it really spoke to my soul. I actually had forgotten that she uses the word soul in this message before I uh, came up with the topic for you this week. I can honestly say that these lessons are really impacting my life in a way that I've been searching for in a long time. So merci, merci, merci. Je vous en prie, je vous en prie, je vous en prie. I wondered if you could possibly talk a little more about staying connected to that future version of yourself on a future episode. I sometimes find that when I'm staying intentionally focused on my internal cocoon, so this is, she's referencing something from being yourself, um, so when you're, well, I'll come on on that in a sec. Life is generally lovely, but then when things get busy and you get tired, you forget to focus in words and things get a bit messy. Do you have any thoughts on remaining focused on your future self? Thank you as always for the opportunity to learn from you. Oh, you're so welcome, Mabel. 
So this internal cocoon is something that I talk about in being yourself. Um, it's this, um, you know, this this metaphorical or symbolic space that I encourage everyone to picture inside of inside of themselves. It's a place where you can, you know, meet your soul. I think sometimes what's hard is we. I, and don't get me wrong, I, as I said earlier, I love meditation, but I think we associate meditation so much with trying to quiet the mind, which I don't think is possible, but my point is that we associate meditation with an activity that's connected to the mind, and we neglect to remember that meditation is an opportunity to really create and then explore our inner world, and this is really where our soul resides, or at least, well, no one really knows where the soul resides, but at least that's where we can communicate with it, right? So that's what she's talking about, this internal cocoon. And in being yourself, I talk a lot about um, being in conversation with your future self. One of the ways that I've made some of the best decisions in my life is always you know, trying to flash forward and trying to picture what decision I, I will have been happiest with. Um, I use my future self a lot in in life today, also in times where I might not feel like um, I'm up for something that that um, that I've agreed to do or that I want to do, something that scares me. And I know that that the only way to get through that thing or to accomplish that, creating that thing that I want to create, is by really embodying that future self that I picture that one day is going to, you know, keep developing and keep blossoming and, and keep being able to to do more and more things that I didn't imagine myself capable of being. Our future self is also a way that our soul can communicate to us. You know, when we picture, sometimes when we are feeling um, envious or jealous about you know maybe someone in our life or maybe someone we're seeing in the media, I think what's happening oftentimes is we're seeing a version of ourselves in them that we don't quite think we're capable of being, but we're absolutely capable of being anything that we want. And so I encourage you in those moments to picture whatever it is you're, you're seeing in that person that's making you jealous and really recognize that that's a future version of yourself, that your soul is is. Try, you know, our souls communicate with us, not necessarily with language. You've already heard me talk about the limits of language, but I, I think that our soul communicates with us a lot via sensations in our bodies and also via images. So try to recognize more uh, moments where your soul might potentially, potentially trying to be in communication with you, i.e. if you see someone who has something that you want, be it a quality or an experience or a relationship, try to ask yourself, is this my soul actually just gently nudging to me and saying that's, that, that's, that can be us, that can be us, instead of it being this experience where, you know, it's really painful, jealousy, that always feels small, I know what that feels like, of course, I know what that feels like, I'm human, um, but we can actually do a lot with those jealous feelings, there's really good information in there. So the question, I wondered if you could possibly talk a little more about staying connected to that future version of yourself on a future episode. 
So wonderful ways to stay connected to that future version of ourself is by writing down. Uh, I like to write the old-fashioned way with pen and paper. Really describe her. As you, something about writing is we're writing, we really kind of physically start to feel close to whatever or whomever we're writing about. Also, in meditation, feel free to picture her. The other thing that you can do, that's something that I do a lot, is you know the more you the more you imagine something an experience a person a place in your mind the more real it becomes for you in that context right of your esprit of your mind and the clearer it becomes for you so if i ever have a task before me or um, you know something that i'm that i am nervous about or or whatever have you Maybe I don't feel like I can handle that in the moment, but I know that this woman that I that I that I know exists in the not so far off future that I am every day evolving towards being. I know that she can, and I hold her in my mind, and that's really really calming for me. The other thing that's nice about this that last point that I just described is it really allows us to embrace the fact that we're changing all of the time. Also, in, in being yourself, I talk about a lot about dualistic thinking. You know, we always, naturally as humans, we want to classify things as good, bad, right, wrong, um, you know, past, future. But in so doing, when we analyze ourselves, when we, whether it's because we're trying to live in alignment with other people's hearts or we're trying to avoid judgment, we, we tend to try to place ourselves into these dualistic categories that can be very painful because that eliminates any possibility for change. And we are beings that live at the mercy of time. By nature, we are changing, evolving beings. So I think that also this idea of holding your future self close to you in your mind is a wonderful way to remind yourself that you're naturally changing, you're naturally evolving, and you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself to be one certain way or to not be one certain way. To go back to this email, I sometimes find that when I'm staying intentionally focused on my internal cocoon, life is generally lovely. Yep, it is a lovely, it's a lovely feeling, but then when things get busy, as she writes, and you get tired, you forget to focus inward and things get a bit messy. Messy, Absolutely. Do you have any thoughts on remaining focused on your future self? I think that my, my last thoughts on this would be less on um, ways to keep you focused on your future self, but more um, what I want to talk about is just recognizing the reasons why it can be challenging to stay focused on your future self. We live in a very complex world where we are constantly having to adjust and react to all of the other souls that we're here with on this planet. Uh, I really believe everyone's doing their best. Sometimes people's best can be rather strange, but I do believe that people are doing their best. We are these complex creatures, these compositions of bodies, minds, and souls. No one really knows what we're doing here. No one really knows how we got here. It's an intense situation. Uh, but that said, I do believe that the things, these complex things, these mysteries are what really 
are, are really the reason why we're here. These wonderful emotions, these things that are so uniquely human, but that also render our journeys very, very complicated and sometimes frightening and sometimes sublimely wonderful. Um, but, you know, definitely all the time rather intense. So I think a wonderful way to stay connected and to stay in touch with your future self is to just be aware of all of the opportunities there are throughout the day to not be in touch with her. You know, the conversations that you have with your coworkers, the conversations that you have with your neighbor, the conversation you have with yourself, the pressure you have on yourself to do well in your job, forgetting that you are not your performance, you are not your achievements. Your soul doesn't know what those things are. Your mind does. And I'm not and I don't mean to make an enemy out of our minds at all. Our minds are really fascinating, wonderful, powerful things. I think especially though when we can get them to 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 remember that they have a beautiful counterpart, which is the soul. Now, a very important reason why it can be hard to stay in touch with our future self is because change can be frightening, and I've already alluded to the fact that we're changing all the time. But you know what? Change in ourselves isn't nearly as frightening for us as it is for the people around us. Because we want so desperately to understand our world and we want so desperately to have to try because we're tired. We want to we want to we want to be off the hook. We want to have a holiday from trying to understand the world. We really want to figure it all out and once it's figured out, we don't want it to change. So this is why if maybe you have a new creative project that you've in mind that's a departure from you know, what you've typically done in career, in your career, or, um, you know, maybe you're going through some changes about your personal beliefs, or um, maybe you're considering, you know, making a big move to another place in your life. This is why it can be very hard for the people around us to receive that news in a way that's encouraging to us. And this can also be why it could be challenging for us to really step into that future self out in the world. Because again, we're, we're really afraid of being judged. We're really afraid of being abandoned. But um, I found that it's really helped me to find courage, the courage I need to step into my future self and help me to find the compassion I need to not be, honestly, to not be angry when I felt, when I felt misunderstood in the past by people who I was expecting to be, you know, really on board with what I was doing. Um, you know, I mean, I'll be very candid with you. My decision to, to start French is Beautiful and move to France was not met with complete enthusiasm by everyone in my life. And um, I would say it was met with negative enthusiasm, if that's such a thing, um, by a couple of people um, who I really, really love, but you know, more painfully, whose opinion of me I, I um, was very deeply woven into my self-confidence at the time. And so I was, I was hurt and I was, and I was angry. And I think I had a right, you know, to feel those things. I'm only human and they had a right to be worried and and not understand, um, my life choices. But you know, what came from that, what came from that was a really nice opportunity for me to recognize how solid I was in my vision for French is beautiful, how 
convinced I was that that my my soul was telling me it was time to move to France. It also gave me an opportunity to really revisit my self-confidence and and to recognize that wow, actually a lot of my my self-worth was based on um, you know, opinions of people that I that I love, which is very, very natural. I think it's also a natural thing that people go through, um, you know, just with age. I'm, I'm referring to a time now that was, you know, not that long ago, five years ago, but, but a lot's happened. And, you know, as I said, as a lot's happened in that, I mean, you know, I'm someone who I really, really, really just always want to do better. And I want to in, I want to do what I do better every day. I want to live more authentically tomorrow than I did today. I want to bring to life all the, the ideas that I really believe in. And, and all of that, you know, it takes courage and takes clarity. And this is why I'm so connected to my future self because she's, she's really leading me. She's really pulling me. This, this vision of this woman that I have in my mind who can do all these things I strive to do and with such grace and, and with such, with such uh, power, but that soft power of the soul. But it's really, it's really challenging to be in line with your future self and be in conversation with your future self when your self-confidence is so based on the way that others perceive you. And the minute that you're really starting to step into a future self, move towards a future self, maybe move, move maybe, um, if you will, sort of like, um, I'm trying to think of the best way, we talk about this a lot in philosophy, but we're always talking about it in French and also in German. I do not speak German yet, but a lot of the philosophers we study are in German, and because they're German, and because their original writings were in German, and because translation of some of these concepts is so hard, we generally just talk about the concepts in their German word. Um, but I'm trying to think of how I would say this in English, sort of like a, like a, like a, hmm. Like a wave, like picture a wave. Those of you listening who are my, my Ellie listeners, you know, that moment where a wave kind of, that water that's really clear and really light at the top of the wave, that foam, as it's like, you know, as it's folding back onto itself in the ocean. So picture like when you're getting closer to your soul again, when you're closing that space between your mind and your soul, it's, you know, it's, it's you, it's your essence, you're that, that wave, if you will, sort of folding back, coming back to, but with motion, right, back on to yourself. When you start to do that, there are a lot of exciting changes that are going to happen for you inside and in, your, and in your outer world, and those changes in the outer world are going to disrupt the status quo for the people around you. And and that's just that's just the way it goes because as i said we really love to have things figured out we'd love to have things figured out and to have them not change once we think we've figured them out and you can hear me smiling i'm sure because the more i study philosophy the more i'm convinced that we don't really have anything figured out but not in a sad way in a light way that can really make this journey much more entertaining and enjoyable and and less scary. So I hope that that answered your question. This idea of of a future self, and um, you know, me introducing the idea that actually it's harder for it's harder for the real hard part isn't so much staying connected to her. Uh, the real challenge is 
is introducing her to those around you. But that's also where where development and and growth comes in and, you know, really feeling like you have creative power over your life. So if anything that I expressed wasn't clear, as always, you are most welcome to send me an email. I love receiving all of your emails. I love I love being in these conversations with you in this way. Merci d'être là. Thank you for being here. Et je vous souhaite une très belle semaine. And I wish you a very beautiful week.